Amen. I'm glad to be in the house of the Lord, and I hope that you feel the same way. If you would, go ahead and turn in your Bibles with me to 1 Kings chapter 17. Thank you to all of our guests that are here today. Please stick around after service. We'd love to get to meet you and talk with you. We're so glad that you're here today. 1 Kings chapter 17. We'll begin reading at verse 8. It's a very familiar story to most of you, I'm sure. We're going to go ahead and begin reading right now. It says, And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and went to Zarephath. When he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. As she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruse of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, And she and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. Today, for just a little while, I want to talk to you on the subject, when all I have is all he needs. Can we go to the Lord in prayer right now? Lord, we love you so much. God, I pray right now that you would anoint these lips of clay. God, as I try my very best to deliver this word today. God, I pray that you would stir the heart of your people. God, as you've already begun to do today in worship. God, I pray that you would draw us in this place closer to you. God, and that we would give you everything we've got today. God, we give you glory and honor and praise for all that you've done, what you're doing and still plan to do. And in Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said amen. You may be seated today. How often do we talk about what little we have to offer? It's easy to look at our lives and realize that as much as we have, that at times it probably seems like we are still missing so much. We look at what we have and we think we just have enough to barely get by. Whether it be our finances, our health, or even our spiritual lives. We just don't have a lot to offer. We know the insignificance of what we have. We see the half-empty cup. 
we see the last straw. We see the bottom of the barrel. We don't know if it will ever be like it was. The drought of life has come and it has dried up all of our resources. We can't even imagine someone coming up to us in such a time and asking us to give more. Don't you see what little I have to offer? Don't you know we're we're in a rough time right now? Don't you see what I have is not enough? Don't you see we are in a drought? I'm getting ready to eat one more meal before I die of starvation. And yet you are asking me for food. But what we don't realize is though we are in this situation, what we have may seem insignificant. What we have may seem insufficient for what is being asked of us. But put it in the right hands and turn it over to him. And what little we have to offer becomes more than enough. Because you see, when you put it in these hands, these hands are the one that took nothing in the very beginning and began to form something. These hands are the one that put the earth into place and the sun and the moon and the stars. He's the one that painted each and every sky. He's the one that designed each and every mountain and put every fish in the sea, every creature in the forest. These hands created everything out of nothing. Put nothing in his hands is all he needs to make something. We think we have nothing to offer him. We think we have only enough to sustain us for a little while longer, and then we perish. But all you have left in your tank is all he needs to sustain you until the end of this drought. All you have right now is all he needs until he sends the rain again. I know sometimes in our world we get weary and tired and The daily grind of life seems to beat us down each and every day. Some of us are just older than we used to be, and it's a lot harder to get up in the mornings. It's a lot harder to get going each and every day, and we're just frustrated with life. And some of us have jobs that we feel like we work 24-7. And in all of this, the alarm clock still goes off at 7 o'clock on Sunday morning telling you it's time to get up and get ready for church. God, you mean you're asking for more of me when I don't have anything left to give. God, can't you see that I am tired? Can't you see that I am weary? Can't you see the daily frustrations of this life? All that I'm facing, all my family is dealing with, and yet you are asking for more. Yet you're not only asking for more, you're asking for all that I have left. I might as well just stay home today because I have nothing to offer him. What could I give him that pastor can't give? What song could I sing that the choir won't outdo anyways? What offering could I give that could even compare with some of the other's gifts? God is not asking you for anything that you do not already have to give. In Mark, he tells the story of A young widow woman and the Bible says Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how the people put money into the treasury and many who were rich put in much. Then the poor widow woman came and threw in a measly two mites. It was so little in comparison to what others had to offer. 
it would have been easy for her to walk away in shame, holding on to what little she had and go home. But she went and she threw in the two mites. And so he called his disciples to himself and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury. See, notice here that this woman not only was poor, that would be bad enough in itself, but the Bible tells us she was a widow woman. So this woman has already suffered loss. This woman didn't have much left. She didn't have much to offer. But all that she had left, she was willing to give. And Jesus said they all put in out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, out of her nothingness, out of her brokenness, she put in all that she had. She put in her whole livelihood. She put in everything that she had left to give. Though others may have mocked it, though others might have looked at it and didn't think it averaged out to much, to this woman it was everything. To this woman it was her future. To this woman it was her meal that night. But she gave it anyways. You want God to pay you some attention, then you've got to give it all you've got. You've got to give it everything you've got every Sunday, every Wednesday, every time these doors are open and you come in and you feel like you don't have much to offer. Give it anyways. I know others are worshiping a little more than you can or you used to. That's all right. Worship them anyways. Worship with your two mites. Worship with what little bit of strength you've got. Jesus will take notice and he say, hey, look, I know some of you are worshiping. But you don't know what this one has gone through this week You don't know the struggle she's had to face all week long And the fact that she's even here on a Sunday morning Is a testimony of what God wants to do in her life When you come in here and you're tired and weary and broken and torn Give them everything that's left It may not be much It may only be two pence worth But if that's all you've got then give it And I promise you he will Notice, her all may not have been as much as others, some, but she gave more than they did because she gave all that she had. You see, all you have is all he needs from you. He doesn't want to see someone give some. There's a ton of people out there who give some. You can go to any church in this city and find people who are giving him some. You can find somebody outside walking on the street who aren't even at church today, but they're still giving him some. God can find some anywhere. He can find some every single day. But it is hard for him to find a group of people who are willing to say, God, I'm not giving you some. God, today I'm giving you all. I'm giving you everything that I've got left. God, it may not be much, God, but I'm giving it to you anyways. He is looking for a people who can and will give their all. We must remember all to me may not be all to you. And your all may not be equivalent to my all. But the only thing that matters is what you give your all to. Mom's all won't do. Dad's all won't do. Your Sunday school teachers all won't do. Pastors all won't do. Sure, it will do for them, but the only all that will matter for you is your all. The only all that's going to make a difference to these young people is their all that they give each and every day. 
The only all that's going to matter to me is my all. See, there will be some who will see you and they won't ever think it's good enough. They'll look at you and they'll look at the mistakes you've made. They'll look at your past. They'll look at your resume of life and they'll say, well, you're just not adding up to what we're looking for. Anybody ever been there? It's frustrating that you feel like it's for you. You feel like it's what God's calling you to do and it's what God has destined you to become. But yet the people who are judging you and looking across the table says, well, I know what it says here, but I also know what should be on here is not here because you have a past. You have a record. You have things in your life, mistakes that you've made that I know about. And so unfortunately, this just isn't going to work for you. If you're going to succeed in life, you're going to need to do something else. You see, David knew this all too well. He was never good enough. When they came to pick a new king, they were showing him the oldest they shown in the strongest. They, they brought in the wisest. And they said, well, these are the best we have to offer. This is what God should use as the next king. This is what everybody's looking for in the kingdom. They're looking for a mighty man. They're looking for a strong man, a wise man. And time and time again, it was not the right one. It's not the right one. Well, is there another lad? Well, there is the scrawny little guy who's out in the field playing with the sheep today. That's the one I want. Bring him in here to me. And when that little insignificant nothing of a boy came in and God spoke to him and said, that is the one. That is the one I have chosen to be king. You mean this one who has nothing to offer, this young boy who is watching sheep, that's the one you're calling. Yes, that's the one. Next, they have a raging giant who is out in a field calling out for a man. Calling out for any man that would come and fight him. And yet again, poor young David was not the first one called on. He was not there on the battlefield. Well, this guy's destined to be king. Surely we should call him since he's going to be running this show later anyways. But David happens to just be a delivery boy one day. And he comes out there and he hears the giant calling. Is, is there a man here who will fight me? And while these other grown men were shaking in their boots, this little insignificant nothing of a boy said, Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? David came to Goliath with five smooth stones and a sling. It's not too much to ooh and awe about when those around you have armor and shields and swords and spears and helmets. And no doubt others are looking at young David and they saw someone who was not capable of killing a squirrel, much less a mighty giant. In fact, they took David and they said, if you're going to beat the enemy, we have to fix you up like the enemy. He has a sword You're going to need a sword. He has armor. You're going to need some armor. Listen, Greater Life Church. Saul's armor is not going to work for you because it's not yours. I don't care how much you dress up. I don't care how much you try to put it on. It's just not going to fit and it's not going to work. And you've got to realize 
I I appreciate what you're trying to do, but all I've got is all I'm going to need. And so he marched out on that battlefield, and he looked that giant in the eye. He saw what all the giant had. Sure, he sparkled and glimmered. Sure, he was the crowd favorite to win this fight. But he said, you come to me with a sword and a shield, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. Because you see, all I've got is all I'm going to need. The stone was already there. The sling was already there. The sword he would use to cut off that giant's head was already there. All he needed was God on his side. Mom's prayer life isn't going to fit you. Dad's convictions aren't going to work for you. Pastor's sermons, believe it or not, are not going to save you. And they are great and they are well deserving of every bit of praise that they get. But it's not mine. I know it looks good. I know it would probably benefit me. But I have to do this for myself. They didn't realize that what David had was all God needed to work a miracle. All the pieces to the puzzle were already there. He was just looking for one who was willing to stand up and say, Is there not a cause? I know I'm little. I know I don't amount to much. But God, I'll put myself in your hands and allow you to work a miracle through me. All David had to offer was all God needed. It's easy for others to look on us and see us for who we are. Maybe we are a poor widow woman. Maybe we are a puny little shepherd boy. They see what little we have to offer and they don't think much of it. But God doesn't need anything to work with. So if he can make everything out of nothing, imagine what he can do when I give him something. If he can create the entire universe with absolutely nothing, imagine what he can do if I place a willing vessel in his hands. Imagine what he can do if I bring my measly five stones in a sling. Imagine what he can do if I give him what little bit of oil and stuff that I have to make a cake with. Imagine what God can do. All I have is all he needs. There was a young boy one morning who woke up and his mom had packed him a lunch and he had set his journey and somewhere along the journey he stopped at a crowd of people. A little more than 5,000 people were there and Jesus was teaching and he was teaching so long that the people began to sit there and their stomachs began to growl and they were hungry. And so Jesus is teaching and his disciples come up and said, Master, the people are hungry, they're tired. And and there's not enough money here to go buy anything to feed this many people. Jesus looks at him and he says, well, what do we have? What do we have? And so they begin to walk around the crowd and they go through all of the people. I'm sure going up to the well-capable men first and saying, sir, do you don't happen to have anything with you today. Sir, did you pack a lunch today? And then I'm sure they went to the ladies next. And before too long, they finally found this little boy who probably shouldn't have even been there that day. And they go up to this little boy and they see what he has to offer. And Philip goes up to Jesus and he says, well, there is this lad, this small boy who has a small lunch that would feed a small boy. It's not much It's not going to do much for us today. And Jesus said, I want you to bring that to me. 
I want you to bring all he has to me. And I promise you all that he has will be enough. I promise you what little bit is there will be enough to feed these people. And when the young boy was willing to give what little bit he had to Jesus, Jesus began to break it and he began to bless it. And before you knew it, everybody had a bite of food. Everybody was sitting there eating and feasting. Because when you give what little bit you have to offer to God, he can work miracles. He'll give you more than you had to start with. He'll make sure that you're supplied and sustained for as long as you need. Today we come with broken hearts, hurts, addictions, confusion, questions. We seem to have lost our way and we are looking at this thinking, how could I give this to God? How could I give myself to Him? I'm a mess. We often look at what we have to offer and immediately we recognize it's not enough. Others around us are giving so much more money than us. Others are giving much better lives back to God. Others are giving their strength. Some are giving their worship. And we look at our lives in comparison to those around us. Well, others are far more talented. Others are far more worthy. Believe me, I know what it's like to come up here and know all of the great and mighty men who have been behind this pulpit. And to be behind this pulpit when I know a Pastor Hughes and a Brother Kilgore and a Brother Shoemake have been behind this pulpit. And a Brother Glass, it is very humbling. And I don't know why God wants what I have to offer. I don't know why God wants to use me. I don't know why God loves me. But all I know is all that I need, no matter how small or great, is all He needs. All that I have to offer Him is all He needs to make a miracle. In our text, we see a woman who has already lost her husband. Scripture tells us she was a widow. When the prophet got to where the Lord said she would be, he called out to her and said, Fetch me some water that I may drink. And so the woman didn't even hesitate. The Bible says she went to fetch it. And so the widow woman begins to go and fetch the water. Why? Because that was an easy thing to ask for. There was an abundance of water. There was water enough for him to drink without her having to worry about it. But then while she was gone, he called out to her again. And he said, bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thy hand. But this time the widow woman has to speak up. Because there was plenty of water for him to drink. But now you're asking for all I have left. Now you are asking me to surrender what will sustain me for just a little while longer. Mister, I don't know if the God you're talking to has told you or not, but we're in a rough time. Elijah, I don't know if if you've spoken to God today, but perhaps he didn't tell you that this is my last meal. Perhaps he didn't tell you this is all I've got left and then I'm going to die. Elijah tells her, go ahead and do what you said you were going to do, but bring me a cake first. Bring it to me first. What a difficult task this widow woman found herself in. If only her husband were here to stand up for them. If only he were there to kind of negotiate a deal with Elijah. But it was only this widow woman and any mother I know who knows the hunger of their kids. The mother would, it'd be okay for her to go without food as long as her babies were fed. 
it would be easy to put off another meal to make sure that her babies were fed. But to know that she was going to have to give some stranger on his way a cake first before she ever fed her baby. This was truly challenging her faith. But this young woman obeyed God. She, she obeyed the word that was spoken over her life that day. She would have had a hard time giving the only food she had left to a stranger, but she obeyed. In our minds, perhaps we would say, well, let's eat until we are full, and then we can give him our leftovers. But that is not what he asked. He said, make me a cake first. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, and neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the day the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she argued and argued and argued. And she sat there and complained about the situations of life. No, the scripture says, and she went and did according to. To the word of the Lord. She went and obeyed. Though, though she did not know if what this man was saying was true or not. But guess what? It was the only hope she had left. Because what she had was only going to be enough for a moment. This woman was willing to give up that thing that was going to save her for just a moment longer. And in turn she was saved for a lifetime. If some of you walk out of here today choosing to hold on to what you have, you may not make it much longer. You may very well perish. But if you give all you have left to Him, He will sustain you for as long as you have need. I don't know how it happened. I don't know how every time she went to that cruise and that barrel, each and every time it was full, each and every time it had more in there than the day before. I don't know how it happened. All I know is God sustained her. God kept his promise that if she would do it for him first, that he would make a way. He was able to take what little she had left to offer when she was willing to offer up what little she had, God gave her more than she could have ever imagined. Today I ask you to take inventory of your life. What do you have left to give? Perhaps some of us have given most of ourselves to other things. Or perhaps we've given ourselves to other people or other gods. Some of us have wasted what was given. Some of us, life has just been rough and we've lost all that we had. But one thing is for sure, it doesn't matter what remnants of life you have left today, all you have is all he needs. If you have a lot to offer him, that's great, he can make it even greater. But if you were like me and you feel inadequate and unworthy, you feel like you have nothing to offer someone who has everything, all we have is all he needs. He can make a miracle from our mess. He can make beauty from our ashes. He can give us rags for riches. He can make us whole again. He can restore. There is a community in Paraguay that is basically a landfill of broken things. Things many have discarded and thrown by the wayside. Their entire village is nothing but a trash heap. Things that most thought had no value left were thrown into this landfill. Other communities would come and just dump their stuff here in this small community. Old cans, old buckets, old wood, bottles, broken glass. 
junk everywhere you look. It was a graveyard of hopelessness. And these people not only had to see it, they had to live in it. Anybody here ever felt like you've just lived in that state of hopelessness? That every morning you wake up and it feels like the first thing you see is a mess. You wake up in the morning and you you start your daily routine and you're looking around at broken things. You're looking around at just a heaping pile of mess. These people not only lived there, but they had to work in it as well. Most of these residents go through the trash to find things that perhaps they can clean up a little bit and sell for just a few extra dollars. Most of the stuff seems broken beyond repair. But beyond this community being known for its disgusting landfill, it is also known for something else. Believe it or not, this community is known for its amazing orchestra. Amazing orchestra. If we'll play that clip now, I want you guys to see this. This orchestra is not being played by thousands of dollars worth of instruments. All of these individuals live in the same slums as the others who wake up every day to garbage all around them. Yet there was one man by the name of Fabio Chavez who was a young professional musician and he was stopping by this place for a visit of all places. He was horrified by their living conditions and was troubled that no one was doing anything about it. So Fabio decided to open up a music school. And to his amazement, he had tons of students wanting to be involved. But they had one big problem. They had no instruments. Fabio found a man who was great at finding things in the trash. And Fabio told this man to find something we can make instruments out of. So they made a cello from an old beat up old can and old cooking utensils, a flute from tiny cans, a drum set with old x-rays skins for the skins of the drums, violin from a beat up aluminum salad bowl and strings. They stringed the instruments with, with old wires and tuned it with forks. And while many of us would have frowned at the brokenness and perhaps just thought how sad everything was, There was a man who saw a whole lot of nothing. He saw rejects. He saw what others had labeled as trash. And he made something beautiful out of it. It is now known as the landfill harmonic. Music is mastered with a mess. Harmony reaches heaven with hurts. And ballads are belted with broken things. In the right hands, your simple can turn to superb. You see, we live in a generation that when something is broken, you simply trash it. 
Yet in our Bible, page after page tells us of a man who left the throne room of heaven for a landfill slum of earth. He gave up perfection for brokenness and pain. They called him a fool and a misguided fanatic. There was hopelessness all around him. But even if I gave you 100 guesses, you would never be able to come up with the full picture of what Jesus can do. When he reaches down with nail-scarred hands into the trash of life, into the throwaways and the rejects, and he can come up with something so beautiful. Jesus on the Sermon of the Mount starts off by saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor. You may be thinking, well, then I'm for sure going to heaven. But perhaps Jesus misspoke. Maybe it should have been blessed are the rich. Jesus said in spirit, I know, but today we think a blessed life is one that ends up with plenty of money, not plenty of poverty. But the word there, poor, means bankrupt or brokenness. Blessed are you when you are so broke you have nothing left to offer. The only solution for being broken is brokenness. This comes when you take inventory of your life and you realize you have nothing left to offer. But brokenness is not popular. People don't spend money to go to a conference that's going to teach you about brokenness. Brokenness is not trending on Twitter. It is not written on anyone's resume. However, it is what Jesus is hoping for. Because brokenness is the way to wholeness. We are people who not only get gently used and, and, and spent a little bit of, but we are ripped, torn, ragged, beaten, and bruised. But the good news is there's one here today who makes the broken whole. He takes the overlooked, the undervalued, the left out, the written off, the damaged and the destroyed, and does what only He can do. He loves you even in your condition, and He makes broken things beautiful. In the physical, broken things lose their value. They are thrown away and flaws are fatal. But in the spiritual things, in the spiritual world, just the reverse is true. Broken things are precious. Because only broken people can truly reveal the beauty and the power of God. I know some people in here today look like they've got their act together. I know some people here today look like they've got it made in the shade. But if you could have seen their life 20 or 30 years ago and the broken mess that they were in. If you could go back and take a glimpse of their landfill of a life that they were living in. And you saw that hand reach down and pick them up. In your mind, perhaps you would have thought, why of all the things he could use, would he grab that out of the pile? Maybe you think that about yourself out of all of the other stuff that is here. Why would he pick me up out of this mess and attempt to use me? Doesn't he see that I'm broken? Doesn't he see that I'm hurting? Doesn't he see what I've been through? And yet his nail-scarred hands are still reaching down and picking me up out of the dirt of life. And they're cleaning me up and saying, I'm going to make something beautiful out of you. I'm going to do something great of you. Well, God, haven't you seen I don't have a lot to offer you? God, I'm just a small boy. God, I'm 
just a widow woman. God, I'm just a sinner. God, who happened to walk in this place on a Sunday morning. That's okay. I want to take you in my hands. I want to clean you up. I want to use you. I want to do something great in your life. I want to give you a better end. I want to come down from my throne of glory into this place. I may be beaten. I may be spit upon. But I'm going to die on a cross for you. I'm going to do something crazy for you. I know others may look at you and think you're worthless. But I think you're beautiful. I think you're fearfully and wonderfully made. I see an expected end for you. I'm going to not only save you. I'm going to save your family. I'm going to pick you up out of every situation that you're in. I know you're hurting now. But just stay there just a little bit longer. I'm not finished with you yet. We're going to make a masterpiece. We stand all over this house. The Bible tells of a man named Jeremiah. The Bible says that Jeremiah went down to the potter's house. And at the potter's house he saw the potter working with clay. He saw the potter with his hands pressing against the clay. And he watched and he noticed that that clay was marred. It was imperfect. It had brokenness. It had hurts. It had pains. And while many of us would look at that in a moment, we notice that it might be broken or it might not be perfect. It might not be beautiful. We would simply discard it and throw it to the side and say, well, I'll try again with this next one. What if God did that with us? What if he looked at this one that was unwilling to cooperate? He didn't have beauty about him. He didn't have perfection about him. There were scars. There were broken things in his life. And God looked at him and said, well, you know what? I, I'm just going to go ahead and move to this next one. That, that man didn't want anything to do with me, so I'm just going to go now and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to one that's already perfected. No, Jesus said that he didn't come so that the people who are well are great. He said he came for the sick. He came for the broken. He came for the hurting. And Jeremiah said, when I sat there and watched him, I watched as he began to make it again. He didn't throw it away. He didn't toss it to the side. But he took that broken mess and he began to make something again out of it. He didn't care what happened before. He didn't care what happened before you came in here on this Sunday morning. He just began to take that clay in his hands and he began to make it again. Brother Kenzie at Texas, South Texas camp meeting a few weeks ago, he told the story of a time in his life where just it seemed like everything was falling apart. Struggle after struggle, headache after headache. He was just in a place where he felt so much pressure. He said, I cried out to God and said, God... I can't do this anymore. God, it's, the pressure is too much for me to handle. I cannot stand this any longer. You're going to have to do something. And he said, as I began to pray that prayer, God spoke to me and said, if you want me to remove the pressure, you are asking me to remove my hand. He said, because the pressure you are feeling is my hands on that clay. And if you would just be still just a moment longer, I am perfecting you. 
See, we come to an altar and the moment we feel good, the moment we feel like we're okay and we don't look so bad and we've cleaned up a little bit and we don't walk out with all of the scars that we had, just a few of them, that that's all right. But God's saying, hold on just a little bit longer. I know you're tired. I know you're weary. But elders, if we ever needed you to give it all you've got, we need it now. Oh, we need it now. Young people, I know sometimes it's hard when you deal with life each and every day and you see the struggles. You face them every day. But if we ever needed you, we need you now to give it everything you've got. Well, God, I don't have much left. I don't have much energy. God, I don't have the passion I used to have. God, I don't pray like I used to pray. God, I don't fast like I used to fast. God, I'm not as faithful to your house as I used to be. God, but today, Lord, I'll give you my all. Today, I'll give you the broken fragments of my life. God, today, I'll give you every hurt. God, I'll give you every fear, every worry. God, because today, God, all I have is all that you need to make something beautiful. God, right now I open these altars to those that are broken, to those that are hurting and they're looking for a way out. God, I pray that today we would put ourselves back on that potter's wheel. God, that we would fall apart at this altar today. God, and we would cry out to you, God, mold me again. God, make something beautiful out of my life again. God, I've got to have your hand on my life. Lord, I won't make it another day without you. Oh, I don't have much to offer, God, but all I've got left, I'll give you. God, I'm insecure, I'm fearful. Oh, God, but I'm willing today, God, to give it everything I've got. Lord, I surrender all to you today. God, all I have is all that you're going to need today. Oh, God, I'm hesitant to do anything today. I'm hesitant to make a move. God, because I'm hurt. God, I'm worried what others might think of what little I have to offer. God, I'm coming with my two minds, God. God, I see the eyes that are looking at me. I see the ones who are waiting for me to go to the altar because they know what kind of life I've lived. God, but none of that matters today, God, because I've got to give it my all. God, I've come to give you everything I've got left today. Oh, God, we've got to have you, Jesus. Oh, God, find me, Lord, in the mess. God, don't pass me by. If you're going to make something beautiful, Lord, don't pass me by. God, I may be beat up. God, I may be at the bottom of the pile, God, but I pray today you would find me. God, clean me, Lord. Make me again, God, it seems best to you.